The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7. Auburn Opelika, sports leader. Happy Friday, everybody. Hope you're doing well on this beautiful and hot, once again, Friday afternoon, the final day of June here in the year 2023. This is On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm Jacob Goins. Alongside me in the studio, as always, is Carter Bird. Happy Friday, man. We are getting into the 4th of July weekend. Uh, happy Friday yep. to you, Brad. Are there any big plans this weekend? No. Um, I got family all over the place. I have um, my my parents are going to London, and they are currently stuck in Atlanta. Oh, are you serious? They, What's their, going on with flights? Their flight uh, from Birmingham yesterday got delayed three times. Wow. So they pulled their luggage out, I guess, of, of circulation got in a rental car, drove to Atlanta, uh, or why? Well, I, I guess they just got in their car and drove to Atlanta and got there like 10 minutes late uh, oh, for, for their no. flight yesterday. So now their flight to London doesn't happen until tomorrow morning. Oh, what so a disaster. For a day and a half. My brother was on the same flight from Birmingham to Atlanta. He's leading a mission trip to Manchester, mm, England. Okay. So he's, but he made it. They did not. <laughs> he made it, but your parents didn't. So they're yeah. hanging out in Atlanta. Well, are they gonna? Are they going to the Braves game tonight? They ought to if they're going to be in Atlanta. I probably, honestly. I mean, uh, my that's like when my my dad was happened to be in Houston on for for work when the uh, the World Series clinching game for the Braves was there, and so he was just like, "Sweet, I don't have anything to do tonight." And he called up my uh, family. He's like. Should I go to the Braves game? Should, <laughs> should I go to the World Series game? Should I go and, to the World Series? Yeah. Should never be a question you should have to ask. And so he went. So that's he, awesome. He got to go to a World Series game when I've been. I've been. That's like what I asked for for yeah. years as a kid. Farthest I've ever been is the DS when the Braves hosted the Dodgers a couple years ago. That's the that's the farthest end of the post the playoffs I'm not sure for baseball. I've ever been to a playoff game for baseball. Or have you been to a playoff game, game besides like in professional sports? Hmm. I've been to a hockey playoff I not, game. I have not been to a professional sports playoff game. Wow, interesting. In anything, I've been to I've been to a hockey pl- playoff game the year that Ovechkin won it in the first round when they played the Columbus Blue Jackets. I went to a game. Are the then. Caps? You're no, no, no. I, Bruins, Bruins. I, I like the Bru- Bruins are my first team, but living in Ohio, Columbus was an hour away, mm. and so I've been to a bunch of Blue Jackets games, and they were in the playoffs, and the Capitals were in town for the first round, so got to see Ovechkin play. That was 
was pretty cool. Uh, senior year of high school, got to watch LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers play the Indiana Pacers in the first round when Victor Oladipo dropped a triple double. And uh, our intern Graham was actually with us. That was on our uh, that was like our prom weekend. So did that. Uh, and then I've seen the Braves when they played the Dodgers when Acuna hit the grand slam in the DS. I was there. I think my dad has been to a Super Bowl and a World Series game. That's awesome. That is can't say the same. No, I've, and I have been. It's not. And I know there's not I, postseason. Whatever. I've been to the Masters for a practice round. The Monday, the Monday practice round. The year Tiger won it in 2019. Yeah. The the only, the only deep postseason things I've been to are, um, college football national championships. Never been done that. To, been to two of them, uh, and then the uh, final four in 2019 well there you go how about that well we went down a rabbit hole but uh how about your parents going to across the water for the fourth of july nothing says your independence like visiting england <laughs> oh they, they they've been planning this trip for a while i think my, my dad's wanted to go to london forever i know so. i just think it's funny yeah. well hopefully they get over there that there's nothing worse than being stuck in the airport man that's that's oh that's such a crappy feeling yeah and there i was talking to him on the phone and they were a little frustrated yeah well especially stuck in a city where you're not where you don't live right i mean atlanta you can't oh, yeah. just and, go home and, and all they were all they have is i think carry-ons so oh. like because they're they're that's right. They were able to pull their carry-ons out and get in the car, but their luggage was somewhere en route between Birmingham and London. Just somewhere between Birmingham, Alabama, and London. They've been they've been oh they've been gosh. spending all day trying to locate the uh, suitcase. Oh, <laughs> that sounds so bad. Well, I feel for your parents. Hopefully, they get over there. Um, sounds like their Fourth of July weekend off to uh, a hot start. I will be. I've talked about it a bunch of times. I will be uh, heading up to Birmingham this weekend. We have my family. We have a fireworks store uh, up in Trussville, and so uh, we'll be heading up there uh, tonight after the after the show today and going and selling fireworks all weekend long so if you're going to be in the birmingham area you can come by and uh, uh mj's discount fireworks you can come stop by and buy some fireworks i'll take care of you up there so that's what i'm doing all all fourth of july this will be our sixth year doing it so i've not celebrated a fourth of july in a long time but we really enjoyed it. it's a lot of fun uh, but hopefully you all out there have fun exciting fourth of july uh plans hopefully weather holds off uh stay cool if you're be in the water somehow if you have a chance i mean it's going to be miserably hot this weekend you know if you really want to celebrate the fourth uh, of, of july you could always set off a firework at the fireworks shop well, we do across the road. <laughs> there are regulations where you can't set it off within a certain distance, but oh, we yeah. do. We have there's a big every, gravel. Every like summer, every Fourth of July, you have that that video that pops up on Twitter oh, yeah. of a fireworks shop that all of them catch on fire and it's just a disaster. Yeah, well, they're like you can't even. It's crazy because you can't even like outside in our parking lot. You can't even throw a snapping pop. You know, little white things you throw oh, on the ground. Yeah, I love you those. can't even. You can't even do that within a certain vicinity because it's technically a firework. And so, you know, there's a big gravel parking lot across the road that we, you know, we test them out and put on a little show because then people driving up and down the road, they're like, oh, and then they turn around and they come back. So. It, look, man, we, we've been doing it for a few years. We know what's going on. So uh, it's a lot of fun. I love fireworks. Um, if I know they're very dangerous. And, you, you know, of course, the most famous sports 
reference with fireworks is Jason Pierre-Paul, who blew off his fingers a few years back. Um, and he plays and with like two and a half, three. He plays with a, a club. Fingers. Play with a club and just smack. No, people. no, he has a specially made glove. Glove now where like oh he does it's got like two and a half, three and a half fingers on it. Well, at first he had the big it yeah looked yeah, like the yeah. Club. when he was like when he was recovering mm-hmm. from it, and then he's had all those like surgeries and stuff, and he gets custom made gloves now. Yeah, I didn't know that. Interesting. Hmm. Well, there you go. The more you know, I guess. Yeah. Well. Off and running here on a Friday <laughs> afternoon. I uh, hope you're all it's doing well. It's a very Friday start. It is a very <laughs> Friday start. And uh, speaking of 4th of July, while we're on this topic, no show on Monday, no show on Tuesday on the 4th of July. That goes for the Max Roundtable, us here on On the Line, and The Drive. Uh, we all will be off Monday and Tuesday, uh, so we will be celebrating the 4th of July weekend. Back on Wednesday, though, so be sure you are tuning in on Wednesday for all three shows, Max Roundtable, On the Line, and The Drive. Uh, on the 4th of July, though, you can listen to the Braves. That We'll be playing the Braves here on ESPN 106.7 on the ESPN broadcast, so be sure you uh, tune in for that. We've got some Saturday afternoon baseball, Sunday night baseball, and then two games on the 4th of July. So if you're out on the boat or uh, if you're at the house grilling out, make sure you've got us on ESPNAU.com and the ESPN 106.7 app. You can tune in to all the wonderful baseball games going on here on the Auburn Opelika Sports Leader this weekend. Um, well, before we uh, get to, I know we'll, we'll get to a break in just a few minutes. Do you want to play uh, Braves Today audio? We got some Braves Today podcast after the Braves uh, coming out of their fa- their last series as we get into the month of July. Uh, it's Ben Taylor and Lindsey Crosby. Uh, so we have that audio to play for you today. Also, what we're going to talk about. Some interesting topics with the 4th of July coming up. We've got some some fun, different topics today. It's still going to be sports-related, but it's going to be talking about, you know, the 4th of July and different things like that. So we've got the question of the day coming up a little bit later this afternoon. I also want to talk about Auburn football and the position groups and uh, which ones are going to produce the most explosions and fireworks this year for Auburn football in 2023. So we'll talk about that today. Uh, Jack Hutton will join us in hour number two. Want to talk about a list that 24-7 Sports put together about the top quarterback transfers of all time in college football. And so that's going to be a lot of fun coming up in hour number two. Phone lines are open 334-321-1390 if you want to call in anything you got on your mind on this Friday afternoon. Give us a call. We'd love to hear from you we are 64 days away from the kickoff of Auburn football my friend can you believe it I mean tomorrow is July 1st and we're 64 days away from from Auburn football yeah it's crazy that we are we are already here um man we are we're gonna get to that point here in the month of July where it's like can this just get here now yeah can this start can we see what is gonna what is gonna happen in 2023 it feels like it's always right after the 4th of July the time between the 4th of July and SEC media days that seems to be that two two and a half week period where we're just like man we really need some football <laughs> like we need some things to start happening in, in football and that's where that's why SEC media days they consider it to be the the unofficial kickoff of college football because you really start to get you know, you start to get the insight and you get everybody talking about it. It's, I think that's where you really start to feel it get close for college yeah. football. And that'll be here before we know it. I mean, again, we're 64 days away right now from September 2nd when Auburn kicks off. So, yeah, we, we need something. We, I would like somebody to say, hey, that month of July in the sports calendar is pretty, 
pretty bare. Why don't we um, try to take advantage of that and like add something with Major League Baseball? It'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, you got the you, Heck, know, you got the All Star Game. Bring back just because I'm watching the uh, documentary on Netflix. Bring bring back the American Get Gladiators. Do that. There's a documentary on that. There's two of them. There's one on e- on ESPN Plus, and there's one on Netflix right now. I'm in really? the middle of the uh, Netflix one. Okay, interesting. Bring something back like that. I'd be fine with that. I they mean, do need was, something. <laughs> the crazy thing was when it was like at its peak. And they talk about this in the in the uh, documentary. It was outdrawing NFL games in October. I believe it. That was a huge hit. It was the number one show in America. That show was awesome, man. That was so Everybody much. Was fun. on roids. Yeah, but, but yeah. it doesn't matter. <laughs> as long hey, as long as it looks cool, I'm fine with it on TV. That's fine. It's with me. also like it's just designed for everybody to get just brutally hurt. But it worked. Just ACL tears. <laughs> it was entertaining. It was the worst. <laughs> but it was it was a really neat show, man. And that was like the prime of us growing up was that show where it was just like the peak of television. Man. Well, well, it, it had like it had technically died off by the time like we were really growing up, but yeah. it, it still aired on like I don't know random ESPN cable channels, Classic maybe, and yeah. like when they didn't have stuff to watch in the middle of the week and random channels and stuff and. It was a lot of fun, though. Yeah. It was an awesome show. Well, I did not know they had documentaries on that. I may have to go uh, and check that out. But, uh, well, a segment to start off this Friday afternoon that had pretty much no actual information in it. So hopefully you enjoyed that. Do want to take an early break because when we come back, we have the Braves Today audio that we want to play for you. We'll take an early break, come back, we'll talk and have the Braves Today podcast. Ben Taylor, Lindsey Crosby coming up here on the Friday edition of On the Line. are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. All right, welcome back inside the studio here at ESPN 1067. Want to play you a snippet of the Brave Today podcast from today with Ben Taylor, Lindsey Crosby. Won't be able to play the whole thing, uh, but we'll get as much in as we can. Uh, you know, we'll take a break at the bottom of the hour. So uh, take a listen. It's Ben Taylor, Lindsey Crosby talking about the Braves as we get into July. Are the Braves the best team in baseball? They like to think so. We'll hear about it here on the Braves Today podcast. Ben Taylor and Lindsey Crosby. Welcome in Braves Today, Braves Today podcast, Braves underscore today on Twitter. He is Lindsey Crosby. I am Ben Taylor. And Lindsey, forget best in baseball. This Braves team could be the best in franchise history if they close hard-headed into the All-Star break. I did put a caveat in there. <laughs> yeah, no, still. I mean, it's this is a, a very, very good Atlanta Braves team. 53 and 27. Uh, you know, the Marlins game on Friday is – after that, you're halfway through the season. So mm-hmm. to be, to, to have such a great record, I mean, you know, unlike previous years, you're going to go into the all-star break with a winning record, knock on wood. You're not yep. going to be chasing from behind and getting three games against the team that's behind you in the standings gives you a very, a very good opportunity to either put some distance and close the division out or let it be a lot closer as you head into the all-star break. And it's just, it's hard to imagine this team losing right now. I mean, they're they're hitting literally on all cylinders. Yeah. 
Yeah, there was a there there was a chat in regards to our last pod where I've jumped in there with a couple of listeners, and that was one thing that they had brought up is they're worried about Soroka. And I thought this is the I told him I said this is a perfect time to bring him back because a team that is hot usually will rally around a team that's doing a rehab start or a bounce back start or a start when they've been pulled up from AAA. And the mm-hmm. reason being is just because everything they see looks like a grapefruit. So those are the guys that you want to pitch behind. And that gives the pitcher a little bit of confidence. Now I'm not in any way saying this Rogers is going to go out and throw a no hitter, you know, on the opening game against the Marlins. But I will say he's coming in at the right time, the way this Braves team is playing to get some support. Yeah. After that twin series, some of the pitchers said, you know, having that kind of offense behind you where they can put up five home runs before there's five outs thrown by Joe Ryan. uh, It's they they admitted that it makes you pitch a little looser. You're a little more comfortable and you don't have to be as nervous about being perfect with every pitch. And I think for a guy like Soroka that physically has gotten back to the shape he was in or before the injury, but mentally hasn't seen the results and it's still trying to work on fine-tuning the things. Like you said, I think this is the perfect time because he doesn't have to come out and be perfect. He can just go out and throw. He can just Mm -hmm. go out there and pitch and not worry about if he makes a mistake, just erase it, go on to the next one because the odds are this team's going to pick him up, the offense is going to pick him up, and he'll be playing from ahead anyway. So like you said, this is the perfect time to bring up a Mike Soroka. And if he, if Michael Soroka does make his debut on Friday night, it's not official yet. Everything's pointing towards it. But uh, if he does, it'll be, I believe it was 1,060 days since he last took a start at Truist Park. Uh, And it's, it's, it's going to be a great day. Just, for all of us that he's there. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm predicting it's going to be the loudest ovation you've heard in that ballpark's history. And you will be there as well. Go ahead and throw that out there. I got to be sitting yep. in the stands uh, along with our esteemed leader. Uh, Zach Blackerby will also be there as well. Uh, happy birthday to you, Zach. By the time everybody go give Zach a shout out. Happy birthday. He's probably going to be so mad that I just threw that out there. On uh, Twitter at Z Blackerby. Yeah. <laughs> He's not going to be as mad as he is at you for throwing that out there. <laughs> but we mentioned offense and we mentioned Soroka, but defensively, Acuna with plays out in the field. Rosario, he came in and made a, a diving play and left. Riley getting better over at third base. I mean, I th- he never really was bad. He just got, I think, a bad rap because of hard balls hit to him and he may make a bad throw or mm-hmm. just bobble it a little bit, which from third, you bobble it just a tad and they're going to beat it out. And then you got the play of probably the week thus far was up the middle uh, when Ozzy flipped RC and then they ended up getting the out at first. It's uh, your standard was- six four three or four four six three put out. It's yeah, not even a exactly. double play, just a put out. Just to put out, and I actually, uh, I screen grabbed that and I sent it to my dad because, of course, he's blacked out because of the way they have coverage from time to time. And uh, and he even, for me to get a wow out of him, a guy that's a former baseball coach and somebody that's not very impressed with Major League Baseball ever, uh, when he said that, I thought, yep, that must be a pretty good play then if he's impressed with it. So defensively, they're where they need to be. Offensively, they, they're where they need to be. Was there ever a doubt in this past twin series, sweep-related, of course, is uh, they just, for some reason, the Braves looked like they were in control from opening game until the final out it, it, whenever it took place. And it's funny because, because like, game three, tons of home runs, right? I mean, Atlanta goes back-to-back in the second inning. Ronnie hits one on the first pitch of the game. But, like, the first game of the series is a closer matchup. And it's still just it always felt like Atlanta was going to do it. And having that kind of comp, like, I don't think we all appreciate and recognize how 
how good we have it as Braves fans because we have this core long term that's going to be there. Like you don't have a fear about buying a jersey because the guy's going to be there. If you have a team that offensively can come back in just about any single game and is just is all as long as there's outs left, they are in that game. And you have a pitching staff that even if you have a bad outing, one, the offense will pick you up. But then two, there's going to be another guy coming right behind you who's going to be uh, good and giving quality stuff. You lose a Kyle Wright and a Max Freed. Well, guess what? Uh, Bryce Elder goes out and leads the league mm-hmm. in ERA. Spencer Strider's best strikeout rate and number of strikeouts in the entire, in all of baseball. Like, mm-hmm. it's just Braves fans, we're exceptionally lucky. I don't think we always realize how lucky we are. We, and we're doing that, as we mentioned on the last pod, without a full staff right now. So whenever yeah. the staff gets back, you kind of wonder on uh, what all cylinders will be clicking at that point in time. Has this proved even more and throughout this past series and even the series before, well, the last three series, because they haven't, they haven't lost a series, and you know, except for that A series, which was in May, and so that's the last one that they that they lost. Has this proved even more that the Atlanta Braves are the team to beat in baseball? They they are the hottest team in baseball right now. It's, I mean, I think record wise, like the Rays are fifty six and twenty eight. Like you know, they're they're near, the Rangers have a run differential that's right there near where Atlanta is and stuff like that, but. Even though the Rays have three more wins, Atlanta is by far the hottest team in baseball and the best team in baseball. And Mm -hmm. I think World Series favorites, the Atlanta Braves have to be the favorites in all of baseball. And that's the team that nobody wants to face right now. And what I love is, yes, you're three games behind the Rays as far as best record in baseball. But right before the All-Star break, you get to play them. And Mm -hmm. so it's the same thing as if you're trying to make space in the division. Every time you win a game, it counts a double. Same thing when you're playing the team that has the the better record than you. you, Every time you win a game against them, it's going to count double. And so uh, it's best team in baseball, bar none, whether it's pitching, whether it's offense, whether it's defense. I think right now Atlanta has everything. What was supposed to be an easy June turned out not to be because other teams started winning. So it became a tougher June. However, on the opposite end of that, it looks like it's going to be a tough July for the Braves. And a lot of that's got to do because it's front end loaded. There is a small break right there. But then uh, when you start beginning divisional play, you just never know. It's, it, all cards are on the deck at that point in time. Yeah. So you have this, this three game series against Miami. You've got Cleveland. You've got Tampa Bay and then all star break. And the mm-hmm. way that it's shaping up, not a, every Braves player is going to get to be off at the all star game. It looks no. like you're going to you might have three of the four starting infielders might be Atlanta Braves. And, you know, and you might have two members of your rotation there and Strider and Elder. And so you have to kind of work around that. And then coming out of the break, you do get to ease back into it with the Chicago White Sox. But then right after that, you host Arizona for three games mm-hmm. who leading the National League West. You, you go to Milwaukee, you go to Boston, then you play Milwaukee again, which is really weird. <laughs> uh, but but yeah, it's just like it's not as easy of a schedule as we thought June was going to be because we thought Philly was going to have a losing record. We thought Cincinnati was going to have a losing record. And those turned out to be a little bit more, a little bit tougher games than you expected. Mm-hmm. You went to extras against Philly. You dropped one against Cincinnati. All three of those were one, one run games, but you still came out of it. I think you're, you're what you're nine and one, your last 10 games. Yeah. Uh, you, you've won a, you know, you've, you won most of those in June and uh, you're now primed to make this run to the, to the, to the, all-star game, and mm-hmm. then take a break for a couple of days, most of the guys. It truly did turn out to be Michael Harris Jr. 
We predicted it at the beginning. He took off, started a little slow at the first couple of days of June, but after that, he has been something to reckon with, with multiple hit games, a five for five game, a three for three game, a four for four game. I mean, it's just been so impressive what Junior has done or what Michael Harris Jr. has done from the plate. Yeah, we we had a stat, and I, I'm trying to find the exact stat, but we had a thing in one of the briefings about Michael Harris is the first player to have three games in a month where he went, I think it was four for four or better yes. since uh, since Ted Williams. Yep. Like, and it's like, okay, that's kind of insane. You know, when you look at, at the age, and it's, anytime you're compared to Ted Williams, it's great. But let me just, the stats for Michael Harris for the entire month, understanding that he didn't really start his hot streak to the second game of the Mets series or the sixth, but on the month, he batted 378, 394, 633 with five home runs, um, 12 extra base hits, and he only struck out 12 times. Like, Michael Harris Jr. for sure. Yes. He completely proved that he he was the guy of the month. They all had a good month, but apparently his just stuck out even more. Uh, surprise performances that we probably saw from June take Michael Harris Jr. away from it because I think to me he was a surprise performance as as well as uh, what we saw against the Twins this past weekend. Yeah, it's. I mean, I think some of the surprises that we saw uh, in the month and then against the Twins. I, I want to give Eddie Rosario his flowers because okay. a lot of people think that Eddie Rosario is really just kind of confined to a platoon role, doesn't do well, you know, like against lefties. He's not. All right. So that was the Braves Today podcast. We got to play as much of it as we could. That's been Taylor Lindsey Crosby. Check it out at bravestoday.com. When we come back, we'll talk some Auburn football and position groups here on the Friday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goetz and Carter Bird on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 minutes into our number one here on the Friday edition of On the Line. I'm Jacob Goetz. He's Carter Bird with you on ESPN 1067. Well, with the 4th of July weekend coming up and 4th of July being on Tuesday, wanted to have the conversation, make it a little fun here on a Friday afternoon during On the Line. Carter, we'll talk about this. Our listeners can chime in as well. Looking at Auburn in 2023, Auburn football, and the different position groups, we've talked about them, you know, in the past and, and who we'd like to see step up and who, you know, what needs to be better for Auburn to win and win games in 2023. But with the 4th of July, I ask you this question. Which position groups for Auburn football in 2023 will set off the most fireworks and why? Okay, so I'm not going to say receivers. I think it's just too big of a question mark. Yes, it's too big of a question mark. I think you you go to two places. Running back, Mm -hmm. because of Jarquez Hunter, because of uh, what I think Damari Austin can be, because of what I think uh, Jeremiah Cobb could be. Um, And I think you've got such an interesting group there. Brian Batty. Uh, what he's going to do in special teams as well as on the field as kind of that scat change of pace back. And then, I mean, heck, when you want to bring in the uh, Thunder, the, the really big in your uh, in your analogy here, that really big firework that makes the biggest boom. There you go. You bring in your bowling ball, yeah. uh, Sean Jackson, 
the 5'9", 236, 37-pound back. I mean, just hilarious to mm-hmm. me that uh, you have a guy that big. Look, I mean, I, I, I think this group's going to be really talented. I think they're going to be really good. That's where I would go on offense. And I'm glad you bring up the running backs because there was a list put out. Uh, I believe it was today. I retweeted it, and it was from it was from Pro Football Focus, and their top 10 running back rooms in college football in 2023 and you know who wasn't in the top 10 Auburn and I said that's wrong I retweeted it and said that's flat out wrong they have Michigan Ohio State Michigan one makes so much right oh I 100% agree and I don't hate the list that's on here Michigan Ohio State Penn State Georgia Alabama Ole Miss Oregon Arkansas Florida State and Wisconsin I don't hate the list but to overlook Auburn in their running back room, which I agree I think is going to be a very explosive position group for Auburn this year. I think that's where you're going to see the most gen- the most production on the offense is the running back room. The fact that they're not a top 10 running back room in college football on this list, I just think it's wrong. I really, really do. And I think at the end of the season, we will be talking about an Auburn running back room that will be a top 10 room in college football. You're going to be talking about a one-two punch of Jarquez Hunter and Damari Austin as one of the best duos in college football. I believe that. When I when I look at this list, Michigan, I'm with you. Ohio State, I'm with you. Penn State, I'm with you. Those are three great running back rooms. How about with, all three in the Big Ten? Bo- all three of those teams have two stud backs. I think Wisconsin does two. They're, they're definitely fourth in the Big Ten. So all four of those schools absolutely get it 100%. Ole Miss, we know what you have in Quinchon Judkins. He's a stud. Arkansas, Rocket Sanders, with you 100%. Oregon? I don't really see that one as much. Well, the problem with this, in my opinion, is the list is talking about top 10 running back rooms in college football not top 10 running back starters in college football right it's not a list of who has the best starter at the running back spot because I think Auburn would still be in the top 10 for that as well this is running back rooms that is one through three one through four guys that are going to play and carry the football for you in 2023 and I think if you line them up one through four if you want to go that far for Auburn I think they match up with just about anybody in the country. And that's why I think the running back room is going to be very exciting for Auburn in 23, and it's going to be the focal point of the offense. This brings us back to, there was a comment made by one of our guests. What was it? Probably a month and a half, maybe two months ago. Chris Gordy. I think there's a mistaken belief out there that Jarquez Hunter can't run between the tackles. And I think if you just watch his style, watch how he runs, I don't think there's any question that he can do that. Yeah, maybe he didn't do that as much when Tank Bigsby was here because that was Tank Bigsby's forte, and Jarquez is so daggum versatile. Mm-hmm. He's so good at catching balls out of the backfield. He's got a higher gear than Tank Bigsby did. He, he was faster, so he could go off the edge a little better. But he's stronger than Tank. Like Jarquez has a cha- legitimate chance. To be a better back than Tank Bigsby in his Auburn career and in his NFL career. Jarquez Hunter, I'd be shocked if Jarquez Hunter doesn't run for 
1,100, 1,200 yards this year. And he's bigger than a lot of people think he is. Like he is a big guy, and he's not—he's not a a bowling ball type of running back. But he doesn't have to be because I'm with you. I think he can run through the tackles and break off of a couple people and have defenders bounce off of him. I, I think Jarquez can be that guy. But at the same time, on a swing play, if you toss it to him or if he just bounces outside because there's not a hole, he can outrun some guys. And and I think that's why you will see him be very, very exciting and explosive in 2023. And I think I'm with you on Damari Austin. I'm really excited about him and his potential. And then Batie as well. I mean, Auburn has a really, really good room. And so in this conversation, I'm glad that's where you started because I saw that list today and Auburn not being a top 10 running back room in college football. And I just didn't agree with it. Um, Another position that I go to when talking about which ones in 23 will set off the most fireworks and be the most explosive in 2023 doesn't necessarily have to be on the offensive side. And I'm not going on the offense. I'm going on the defense, the secondary. I mean, your secondary is going to be, you've, you've talked about the NFL level talent that's back there. You will not see gaping holes. corner. Yes, especially at the corner. You will not see gaping holes as much. <laughs> it happens. You will not see guys running wide open in the middle of the field or down the sideline because we've seen that in the past couple of years, Carter, in the defense and the secondary for Auburn. How many times, given the lack of pressure on the defensive line, a quarterback sit in the pocket 10 or 12 seconds, and then he finds somebody running, and they're just wide open. Or sometimes it's even off the rip right as the play happens, and he throws it across the middle, and there's nobody within 10 yards. I don't think that happens this year for Auburn. And I think you're going to see turnovers, which Auburn defense has not been good at doing. You're going to see interceptions. You're going to see forced fumbles. You're going to see pass deflections, big plays, big hits. The secondary for Auburn is not going to be a weak point anymore. And I think that's going to be a very explosive room for Auburn in 2023 is the secondary. I 100% agree with you there. I think you've got, like I've said before, I think you've got five NFL corners in that room right now between DJ James and Nehemiah Pritchett, both of which will be drafted after this season. They both came back. They both will be drafted. And I want to I mention this because I think he's too frequently been made a goat of the – a goat, not greatest of all time. Goat, the bad version of goat uh, in the secondary in recent years. Nehemiah Pritchett. Mm-hmm. Nehemiah Pritchett's a good player. I just don't think he fit that defense that he was in the past two years. If you go look at the early numbers from from his first couple years of his career, really good. Really good. And he is super fast, super athletic. I think he's going to show up and show out this year. And the thing is, he may not start because you've got that special of a freshman as well. Mm-hmm. Kay and Lee has a chance to be a star in this Auburn defense. Kay and Lee is him. He can be <laughs> like, a, he is him. He can be a shutdown corner for three years and go play in the NFL. And I think he has that capability. Keontae Scott, I don't think there's that many nickel corners out there in America that are better than Keontae Scott. Well, and look, he's got the confidence, too, which right, I love. Right, and that comes with what I was going to say is you have a couple, not many, but you have a couple of experienced 
leaders in the cornerback room, right? You have a guy like Nehemiah Pritchett, who's a senior. You have a DJ James, that's a senior. You have Keontae Scott, who's a junior. Like, you have some guys that you can trust in an SEC-level game. You've got a couple young guys, J.D. Rim and Kagan Lee, that are going to take the torch, the baton, when it is passed to them. J.C. Hart. Yeah. I mean, we, we haven't seen him on the field yet. Right. We've heard very positive but things another freshman. about his athleticism and everything. Kay and Lee was, was here in January right. and impressed all spring practice and played his way into he's going to be on the field. He's going to be on the field a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think J.D. Rim, he and J.D. Rim are going to be locked down in 2024 once you have Nehemiah Pritchett and D.J. James gone and Keontae Scott could be gone. I think he probably will be because I think he's going to have a good year. But you've got those guys at corner. I think Jalen Simpson is primed for a really big year at safety. When they moved him from corner to safety last year, he played the best ball of his career. Yep. And if he does that for an entire season, and he's had an entire offseason to work on it, I think he might be the the dark horse in this secondary. Like, we all know about DJ James. We all know he could have gone in the draft this past year. Pro Football Focus has him as the 10th best returning corner in college football. One spot behind Kool-Aid McKistry at Alabama. We've all heard about Nehemiah Pritchett. We've seen him out there for years and years. We've seen Keontae Scott start out there at, at nickel and make plays. I don't think you've seen... We haven't seen as much of Jalen Simpson at safety. And in that role... I think he's gonna have he's primed for a huge year. I think Auburn's probably a little bit better in the secondary and at, at the safety position than people think. It's just you got to have those guys step up. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've you've got a lot of different bodies. I mean, heck, you've got Zion Puckett, who's bigger than half your linebackers, and he can play safety as long as his shoulders can stay healthy. Donovan Kaufman, nobody plays harder than he does back there and I respect him for it um, and I think he can be a solid player somebody's got to step up at the second safety spot uh, could it be Marquise Gilbert I think it certainly could be he was the number one ju- junior college safety two years ago came in this past year didn't do a lot struggled but you heard some buzz in the spring about him stepping up I think the DB room the DB group is prime for a big year. My caveat is you've got to have some pass rush. Right. If you don't have pass rush, I don't care how good you are in the secondary, you're going to give up big passing plays. Yeah. And everybody's going to look at that secondary and be like, oh, this secondary is so overrated for Auburn. No. I mean, if Auburn if Auburn can't get to the quarterback and the guy's got all day, mm-hmm. You can't do anything about that. That's the thing. You you can't ask even the the best secondaries in the SEC. You can't ask them to defend for 15 seconds at a time. You just can't. I mean, the receivers are too good and the quarterbacks are too good in this conference for that to happen. And I and I think that's why you're you're 100% right. Auburn's got to get some defensive pressure, but the secondary for Auburn's going to be explosive. It's going to produce some some noise. The running back room's going to be the same way. The two rooms I look at quickly that need to produce some more fireworks in 23, I look at the linebackers on defense and I look at we you mentioned the receivers. I think that's just a big I think you can get there. 
you got to get some 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 excitement at the quarterback spot. I, so I'm not very worried about the linebackers. I think you did a great job bringing in guys who will walk in and give you production. Austin Keys, Larry Nix, Robert Woodyard, I think, is primed for a big year. Uh, Demario Tolan, I think, is a freak athlete at linebacker. He's he's light, he's small, but he gives you. They all give you these different bodies and depth pieces that I think will push that group. What needs to step up? Somebody's got to decide. Okay, I'm I'm that I've got that. Just I'm the dog of the receivers' room. Last year, I guess you had you had Coy Moore publicly talking a lot before the year that mm-hmm. making it seem like he was going to be that guy. I wasn't overly impressed. I mean, Javarius Johnson was your leading receiver. Javarius is limited in what he can do and do well because he's so small. Right. I think he he can be a very solid player, but he does not need to be your number one. And that's what I was going to say. That's not a good thing that he was your number one. I will also say this. I think you need Shane Hooks or Jair Shorter. One of those two has to be the guy. Has to be the guy to me. And could Caleb Burton grow into a role and be really, really good? I think so. I don't know if it's going to happen immediately in 2023. I think it's going to happen down the road at least. Right, which is a lot to ask of him in 23. And then on the defensive end, this edges group, has to produce. Elijah McAllister, Keldrick Falk, Steven Sings, Jalen McLeod. Jalen McLeod needs to be a double-digit sack guy for all of them. McAllister needs to get to five. Keldrick needs to get to seven. Like, that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, I can get with that. I can get with that. And the guy that leads them all, that has to have a good year, the room that has to have the best year, The best step up, at least, is the quarterback spot. We'll talk about that when we come back as we wrap up our number one here on the Friday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Couple of more minutes here on the Friday edition of On the Line at hour number one. We're talking about the position groups in 2023 for Auburn football. And with the 4th of July coming up, which position groups could make the most fireworks in 2023? And we've gone through the ones that we think will and the ones that need to. And Carter, I think everybody can agree the one that has to have the most uh, fireworks and, and display, if you will, in 2023, it's got to be the quarterback room, man. You've got to have some excitement with the guy under center throwing the football in 2023. I'm going to go a different way with this. Okay, okay. I think you just have to be a stabilizing force. I'm saying compared to what we've seen, you got to have a step up. I'm not saying well, he's no, got to no, be no. a Heisman Trophy winner. So, so I'm I, I'm not di- disagreeing with you there. I think you can be a consistent, stabilizing force, almost being maybe a hair boring if you just protect the football, do your job, and get the ball in the in the hands of your skill position players and are accurate. It may not you may not have the. 45, 50-yard touchdown run if you're Peyton Thorne that Robbie Ashford could have. 
You may not have the scramble around in circles and chuck it deep and hit Tyler Fromm in the back of the end zone and in Baton Rouge that Bo Nix had. By the way, Peyton Thorne's a better runner than people give him credit for. Mm-hmm. But if you can be accurate and sit in the pocket and you've got time and you've got a good running game with you and you can deliver the ball to your guys and just protect the football in this scheme, you're going to have success. This offense is going to be significantly better. I don't think you necessarily have to be – you don't have to be Joe Milton or Hendon Hooker chucking deep balls for like, – like it doesn't have to be – insanely explosive. Yes, you you always want explosive plays. Don't get me wrong. And I and I'm I'm not saying I'm not saying that you wouldn't welcome that. Right. Like if as long as you again are accurate in protecting the football. And you do have to have some. But I think like in terms of being able to take a step forward, you can almost kind of just game manage your way and be so much better. Now, I think Auburn is going to be aggressive with it. I think Auburn's going to throw the ball more than people think. And I think, with that in mind, that's another reason why Peyton Thorne is the direction to go, because we know he's accurate. We know Robbie Ashford's not. And we know that, look, as good as Robbie Ashford is running the football and what he brings with his legs... I don't think it closes the gap to what Peyton Thorne can do with his arm. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, again, people are sleeping on Peyton Thorne with his legs. But I agree, yes, like, the quarterback position has to be better. And I think it's going to be, I think it'll be, at a minimum, two wins better than last year. At a minimum. I think it'll be three Three and a half, three, three and a half, somewhere in that range. Better. I just know that from from what we've heard and what we see and what we we hear from from Auburn fans, they are ready for another freshman year Bo Nix type of performance at quarterback. When it comes to excitement, I don't and explosive that, plays. Right. When it comes to knowing you have a quarterback that I yes, he can deliver cause, cause, on time on target, but you can also get the big plays and you can make the right plays. I think Auburn fans are ready for that. I think they want freshman to see year. That. Bo Nix was not on time and on target. That, but he, like, but uh, but I'm he saying he had the explosive plays. Right. Some, that's what I'm saying. But he the explosive was so plays. Dadgum, inconsistent. Bo, Bo Nix because he didn't have the adequate coaching around him in Gus Malzahn's system. His quarterback play cost you games in 2019. And I, I think Peyton Thorne needs to be consistent enough to not cost Auburn games. We'll continue this conversation coming up a little bit in hour number two. Stay tuned for the Friday edition of On the Line. The following is an Auburn Network production. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. 
You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7. Onward up a like a sports leader. Happy Friday, everybody. Hope you're doing well as we get underway in hour number two here on the Friday edition of On the Line. I'm Jacob Goins. He's Carter Bird. Wind picking up a little bit. Some weather. I, I was pulling up the radar in between the breaks between hour one and hour two. I don't think Auburn's going to get nasty weather, but the, the wind outside is, is kind of crazy right now. Uh, there was a big line of weather coming straight down uh, the state line of Alabama and Georgia and on the radar it looked like as soon as it got to Auburn it just kind of did a little detour and went right around us so uh, hopefully hopefully the weather stays away uh, here this afternoon in hour number two but again hope you're all doing well if you missed any of hour number one uh, be sure to go and catch up with the podcast you can find it one of two ways as you always do ESPNAU.com or just search on the line wherever you get your podcast we talked about uh, some Atlanta Braves we have Braves today audio in hour number one we also talked about uh, and we'll pick up this conversation coming up in just a little bit here in hour number two but which position groups for Auburn football will produce the most fireworks in 2023 as the 4th of July is coming up this uh, early next week and uh, if you've missed our announcement the reminder that on Monday the 3rd and Tuesday the 4th no local shows uh, here on ESPN 106.7 so keep that in mind no max roundtable on the line or the drive Uh, we will be off Monday and Tuesday uh, celebrating the 4th of July so keep that in mind we'll be back on Wednesday though regular scheduled programming uh, so keep that uh, in mind when you are out and about on Monday and Tuesday Tuesday. Uh, lots of great baseball on ESPN 106.7 this weekend, including the Braves on the 4th of July, the night game. So make sure you tune in for that. Uh, but coming up here in hour number two, want to take a look at an interesting list uh, that was produced and put out by uh, 247 Sports of the top transfer quarterbacks of all time in college football uh, ranking them talking about where they obviously where they came from where they went what they did I want to look at that just an exciting you know a fun topic here on a Friday afternoon then Jack Hudden will join us in studio uh, here in hour number two we'll have our fun question of the day it's fourth of July themed as well and then we'll talk some more about those position groups I know Carter had some other things he wanted to say I do as well and Jack will for sure have some uh, thoughts on that as well so that's all coming up here in hour number two phone lines are open on a friday afternoon 334-321-1390 if you want to join in on the conversation give us a call on the phone lines uh but let's jump into this carter as we get underway in this second hour 247 couple days ago put out a a list of the top 16 transfer quarterbacks of all time in college football we'll talk about all of these uh as we go through uh but I'll, i'll name them all and then we can sort of, well, or let's just do this. Let's just break them down as we go. We'll start at the bottom yeah. and work our way up, all right? We'll start at the bottom and work our way up. So most of these, I'm like, yep, kind of makes sense. There were a couple of surprises on here, but nothing where I was just like, wow, I just don't agree with that person being on here. There is some disagreement on my part in the placement and where they are in the rankings, but the guys on the list, I'm okay with. There's a crazy one that's omitted on this list, by the way. On this 247 list? Yeah, and, and I'll mention it at, at the end. But okay. there's a crazy one that's okay. like, hold I on. think this, I know who you're talking not, about. not consistent. Right. This doesn't make any sense. So starting at the bottom, they have Nick Foles, who transferred from, not a lot of people know this, from Michigan State 
to Arizona. I did know that. I did know that because he was there was a quarterback room at Michigan State where they had like three NFL quarterbacks on on that team. Mm -hmm. And and, and this article is really, really interesting and well-written. It's on 247. It is from uh, Brad Crawford. Uh, It was written uh, just a couple of days ago. And so pretty much he lists them out. He's got about a paragraph for each one, and he puts in a, a career accolade that pretty much proves why they should be on this list here it is the michigan state quarterback room when nick Foles was there nick Foles, brian hoyer and kirk cousins all at the same time at the same time i did not know they were all there at the same time how about that that is such a michigan state quarterback room and i love it yes. that is awesome 100 wow so nick Foles at 16 transferred from michigan state to arizona uh, he was first in pac-12 total offense uh in his year uh with 352 yards average per game that's pretty good for mr nick Foles, who went on to the nfl and did some pretty good things so uh, that is number 16 on the list uh looking through at number 15, uh, you have from Cal to Nebraska at number 15, Vince Ferragamo. And I think that is uh, interesting, his career accolade that's noted. He was an All-American back in 1976. Um, so you had <laughs> – this was – Nebraska was pretty good with, with transfer quarterbacks back then. The All-Big 8 Conference. How about that in 1976? In the All-Big 8 Conference in his senior year, he was an All-American, academic All-American, and was the Sporting News National Player of the Year. And he ranks – 10th in program history at Nebraska with 32 career rushing touchdowns. So how about that? And in 1976. Back then, when they ran like the triple option or wishbone, it was, it was mm-hmm. one of the two. And yeah. the quarterback ran a bunch. Quarterback ran a bunch. That's right. So then uh, you get to number 14, uh, 1989, Jeff George from Purdue to Illinois. And he was... Uh, in 1989 he was the number one overall pick in the NFL has 31 career touchdown passes with the Illini which ranks 10th all-time in program history yeah I mean I'm not going to argue with any of these especially the ones that I never got to see right personally (laughs) this is where it falls falls is an interesting choice for for 16 yeah but this is where it starts to get interesting and this is where Auburn fans will start to have a little fun at 13 in the top quarterback transfers of all time Nick Marshall from Georgia to Auburn. And, of course, an SEC champion in 2013. Auburn made the national championship game. Should have been national champions, but it was the season of miracles with Nick Marshall. He is ranked 13th on this all-time quarterback transfers list. He's too low by one spot, and I'll say that. Okay. Because, look, Nick Marshall was awesome in 2013. He took an awful team. Did it have some talent? And took him to to a national championship game. The next year, he's a much better passer. Statistically, was so much better. He's a really good transfer quarterback that that took Auburn from its worst season ever, ever, and brought them back to to prominence immediately. And of course, was a part of the uh, prayer of Jordan Hare with the with the throw down the field to beat Georgia. Took Auburn and into the BCS national championship game, lit it up in the first half, and then Auburn just decided to and and, and Gus Malzahn said, "You know what? Twenty one points lead. That's good for us. We're fine." And they they quit playing. And Florida State came back with their Heisman Trophy quarterback. But Nick Marshall on the top sixteen list of transfer quarterbacks of all time in the S or just in college football in general. 
general. Are you saying 13 and 12 should be flipped here, partner? Is that what I'm you're saying? I'm saying 12 shouldn't be on the list. <laughs> he's he's Look, he's good, and I, I was kind of shocked with the list. He was an but. adequate Alabama game manager quarterback. He foot, but he was, one of, he was one of those guys, and he was, and he was a national champion. You can't argue it. He was like the... 20th best player on his team. He fit, Get out of here. He fit with all of those Jake Alabama quarterbacks. Coker has no business on this list, especially when I when I when we get to the end of this and I mention the name that's not on the list. Yeah. Jake Coker from Florida State to Alabama won the national championship with the Crimson Tide in 2015. I agree that Nick Marshall should be above Jake Coker. I, there, there's one more that I think Nick Marshall should be ahead, and I'll, I'll wait until we get there because I think one, there's one other that is entirely too high. Yeah, and and again, Coker was just he was one of those quarterbacks at Alabama that was not crazy athletic, wasn't over the top talented. He was a game manager. He did the right things, and before the game of college football changed, he was exactly what Nick Saban wanted and needed. Where Alabama had NFL offensive linemen. They had NFL running backs, and they had NFL defenses. And that's how they won football games. They would hold you to less than 20 points, they would grind it out, and they would just beat you. And they had a game manager at the quarterback position, and that's what Jake Coker was when he came from Florida State to Alabama. Put him on any other team. I agree. They're, they're struggling to go to win seven games. I agree. One million percent. He's not, he's not a top 16 transfer quarterback of all time. He's not even close. And he's 12 on this list in the 247 rankings. We move That's on. Awful. <laughs> we move on. Uh, this is a big name that, uh, that football fans, sports fans would know. Uh, number 11. I'm following this one. Yeah. Troy Aikman from Oklahoma to UCLA. If anything, he should be higher. I, I kind of agree. And his career accolades are, are none short of amazing. National champion in 1985. Pac-10 Offensive Player of the Year in 1987. And an All-American all in 88. In 88, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, All-American. So, yeah, you got Troy Aikman, who obviously went and did great things in, in the NFL as well. Um, his UCLA uh, career, he threw for 41 touchdowns and over 5,000 yards at UCLA. So, Troy Aikman... No complaints with him being a top transfer quarterback of all time. This one's uh, this one's always interesting, just because of what his coaching career has been and was uh, at Nebraska. Scott Frost, who transferred from Stanford to Nebraska, he is tenth on this all-time list. Uh, Scott Frost, two-time national champion, nineteen ninety-five and nineteen ninety-seven. Uh, we'll kind of get through these as he's trying to get to the top. Fine with that one. That one yep. works for me as well. Yep. Trying to get to you know top five or so here. Colt Brennan from Colorado to Hawaii. I think an interesting pick. I don't hate it though. I don't oh, his it. numbers are awesome. Yeah, his numbers are awesome, and and I think you you do need to respect the fact that he put up dumb dumb numbers in his career at uh, at Hawaii. Yeah, back to back All American at Hawaii, back to back All American in two thousand six two thousand seven. He was the WAC Offensive Player of the Year in both of those years. I mean, he he did have his unbelievable numbers. I mean, um, he threw for fifty five hundred yards at 06. Yeah. That's before we started doing that in modern college football. He threw her 58 touchdown passes that year. Here's a stat. I didn't know this. He holds the NCAA record for most 400-yard passing efforts with 20. Yeah. That's unbelievable. He was I did awesome. Not, oh, I know that. I just didn't know that stat. That's unbelievable. Wow. Good for him. Colt Brennan, 20 different times he threw for 400 yards. That's unbelievable. Good for him. 
Then you move into number eight. Uh, unfortunately, this this young man has been in yep. the news uh, the last couple of days. Brennan, right? I mean, Brennan and Mallet are the two guys mm-hmm. here that that have passed away too soon. Yeah, yeah. Ryan Mallet at number eight transferred to Arkansas from Michigan, and uh, we 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 talked about this the other day. Just how good and how just Look, I, awesome Ryan Mallet was on the football field. I loved watching Ryan Mallet on on the field. I, I did think too. He was man. Great. This is too high, and I think maybe because he's on everybody's minds, we put him at eight. I mean, I put him around Nick Marshall. Yeah, that's where I would put him on this list, and I would argue that Nick Marshall has a very competitive claim to be ahead of him. Eight is too high. Yeah, and it's really he's a great player, right? And it's really nothing against Ryan Mallett at all. I think it's just. There were guys, take a Nick Marshall, for example, who came in and just turned the program around. And I think because of a drastic change with Nick Marshall, I think he should be higher on the list. Uh, but but Ryan Mallett, I mean, he he came in, and, and we talked about this the other day when we were discussing his, his early passing, was that he made an Arkansas team good when they should not have been. He gave Arkansas fans hope and made them competitive when they should not have been. And he's in the, you know, he is one of the best Arkansas players of all time. Uh, I think he should be honored as as one of the better SEC quarterbacks we've seen in the last 20 years. This guy was really, really good. And so Ryan Mallett, uh, top eight in transfer quarterbacks of all time. Then you get to uh, number seven, Russell Wilson, transferred from NC State to Wisconsin. I'm fine with it. Uh, I mean, I don't, like, love it, but I'm, he's one year at Wisconsin had a great career at NC State for especially for NC State standards um and then went to Wisconsin uh and had a great year there yeah, as 2011 well. was a huge I'm year for him. Yeah. I mean, I'm fine with it. I really am. Yeah. Uh, don't have an issue with it. Uh that was in that weird period in time where NC State just pumped out NFL quarterbacks. Yeah, they did. They're still kind of doing it. It's yeah. weird like like they they can kind of claim Russell Wilson because he spent so much time there. When Devin Leary gets drafted, he's going to be on that list too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you look at Wilson really quick, and we'll get to break before uh, we bring Jack Hutton in here and finish this conversation. In 2011, all Big Ten, Big Ten champ, and the Big Ten quarterback of the year for Russell Wilson. We weren't far off from seeing him play at Auburn. I Remember, know. he picked Wisconsin over Auburn in the transfer portal. Gosh, could you imagine? I guess, mm. it, was, I guess it was before the official transfer right. portal. It was <laughs> in the, the transfer wilderness just like middle of nowhere didn't have a title for it yet you were just a transfer you weren't you weren't in the portal you weren't a portal player by any means uh so russell wilson top seven on the list produced by 247 of the top 16 transfer quarterbacks of all time in college football one through six coming up when we come back here on the friday edition of on the line you are on the line on espn 1067 Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Back inside the studio here for the Friday edition of On the Line. I'm Jacob Goins. He's Carter Bird. We're joined by Jack Hutton in studio, able to make it over for the last uh, 40 minutes or so of the show. Jack, happy Friday, man. Hope you're doing well. What's up, guys? How are y'all? Uh, doing good, man. Buddy, doing I'm good. great. How are you? I'm good, buddy. Well, it's we are... Gorgeous but rainyish day in not, Auburn, Alabama. Is, it was gorgeous when we it got here. It's not gorgeous. It was gorgeous when we got here. It wasn't gorgeous when you got here. I yeah. know. It. Well, I'm still trying to bring you the the blue skies that I promised you the other day. 
day. So. Well, we went from blue skies, and then you brought whatever this crap is outside. So I was the one that brought it. Okay. You were. I mean, okay. it, it's not a it's not a coincidence that when you pulled in the parking lot, it started getting cloudy and dark and windy outside. Well, Carter said rain clouds follow him all the time last week, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go with that as the mm. culprit. Fair. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Carter I, says, I, yeah. Hand up. And this one's on me, team. <laughs> well, Jack, I know you were listening on the way over. We've been talking about the article that 247 put out uh, about the top 16 transfer quarterbacks of all time in college football. And we have gotten to number six, and this is where it starts to get a lot of fun. Justin Fields from Georgia to Ohio State. We know uh, what he was able to do with the Buckeyes, two time Big Ten Offensive Player of the Year, all Almost American. Almost an Auburn player. Yeah, all American in 2019. Um, this like guy originally, was, yeah, yeah. Top, he had us in our top three. Yeah, in his top three. Yeah, but once he went, I mean, he wasn't. He wasn't I know, but I mean, it's it's fun to think about that kind of thing. Like, you know, I mean, I think I was fun, I was, torture. I came in yeah, and, I was about to say, is it fun or is it painful? <laughs> oh, but see, I love going over the, all the the guys in the previous. Jack history, loves like, pain. <laughs> he does. Yeah, but like you He's know, I mean, like one of them is. You remember when like Charles Barkley tells a story all the time about how. He tried to get Dirk Nowitzki to yeah. come to Auburn. Yeah. Imagine Dirk Nowitzki in an Auburn University basketball uniform. It would have been dumb. Imagine Dirk playing for Bruce Pearl. <laughs> that would have been ridiculous, man. <laughs> Dirk playing for Auburn. It wouldn't have. The fit would have been so bad that would have. It would have been pretty. But Anyways, um, I, I know I went yes, tangent there. But Justin Fields, I don't think there's a lot of argument there. I mean, he he was a a really really good player at Ohio State he transferred out of a very good Georgia quarterback room he went to the Buckeyes and and really just elevated himself and the Buckeye program even more uh, there in 2019 you get to the top five and this again this is where it really starts to get interesting Jalen Hurts at number five transferred obviously from Alabama, went to Oklahoma, played under Lincoln Riley, was a Heisman finalist in 2019 and then all Big 12 that year as well I mean, he you you have to put him in in almost your top five to where you talk about all time transfer quarterbacks who not only did he have a great career where he transferred to, he had a good career where he transferred from, and not many on yeah. this list can say that. Well, and then he went on to have a really good career in the NFL as well as still having a great career, mm-hmm. put up one of the best single seasons in NFL history last we're in year, year. We're in like year two, so like you're, I know. we're going into year three, so maybe like. It's not a great NFL career yet. His career thus far has been very good, I would say. Yes. Yeah, so I, I think that's what I'm more, more of I mean. But I think we're talking about He's Oklahoma. He's an all-time great. We're talking about Oklahoma great Jalen Hurts I'm here, kidding. right? Yes. It's, it's Oklahoma great. Oklahoma great. Yes. yes. Not Yes. Oklahoma and speaking great. of Oklahoma, you get to number four. You have Caleb Williams, who went from Oklahoma to USC. Entirely too high. Entirely too high. Yes, he won the Heisman Trophy last year. He's played a year and then he didn't the other one year guys on here won a bunch of stuff or had a bigger body of work for their entire careers like Jalen Hurts he's too high have proven it in other facets like next on the list in my opinion he needs to be behind Justin Fields I can agree with that. Actually, I can get. I can, get I can that. definitely agree with that. The but, fact, but but he's look. He's a great player. He's going to put up huge numbers this year. He'll go to the NFL. He deserves to be in the top six or seven. But I think he deserves to be behind Justin Fields. If he's on this list, I think he in, should be seventh because I'm going to get to one that should be top five. That's not. If he's on this list in five years, are you okay with that? Assuming the trajectory goes like you think it would with Caleb Williams. Yeah. 
Yeah. I think I am too. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. You get to the top three uh, when you look at top transfer quarterbacks in college football of all time. This guy's too low, and all yeah. the fans are going to yep. agree. He's too low. It's Cam he Newton at number three. He cannot be three. He, he cannot, cannot be, three. be three. He's got to be top two, no doubt. He has to be top two, and it's I, Cam Newton from Florida to Auburn. Yes. It, look, he has to be top two. He has to be. Take out the Look, take out Auburn bias. Take out Auburn radio station. Take out Auburn fan, whatever you want to say. When you look at Cam Newton as a quarterback in college football, what he did on that 2010 Auburn team was a borderline miracle. It was a miracle what he did at the quarterback position to take that Auburn football team to a national championship. He's one of the best transfers, not just quarterbacks, one of the best transfers of all time in college football. I talked about this during the break. I think Cam Newton is the most valuable player that a college football team has ever had. Yes. And by most valuable, I don't mean best player ever. I mean the most value he brought to a team like the the statistic in baseball you look at wins of wins um war you look above at that hey, yeah. wins above replacement i think cam newton has the highest value to a team in college football history in 2010 i'd make the argument that on the defensive side of the ball nick fairley was the same way yes. you better believe it because i don't know if you can create an analytic for this but for knocking quarterbacks out of games <laughs> he was pretty daggum great at it yeah yeah, definitely so. Um, I mean, you know, he. But there, there was no NFL talent on this Dagum team. There was. That, he had two linemen drafted in like the sixth had, and seventh round. You had an experienced team. I'll say that you had an experienced offensive line. You had an experienced secondary, and that was basically it because your receivers. You had didn't two do NFL a whole lot. defensive tackles mm-hmm. in Fairley and Zach Clayton. Yep. Mm-hmm. You had Josh Bynes, who was UDFA, who made a great NFL career off of being a, an undrafted free agent. Yeah. And you had Brandon Mosley uh, and, and Lee Zimba. Lee Zimba. You had Ryan Pugh in there as well. Pugh, didn't, Pugh wasn't a pro, though. Oh, I know. I'd he call wasn't him, a pro. But wouldn't you call he him was one a, of the best centers He was a very good college player, uh, a, a, one of the better Auburn centers in especially recent history. Yes, I 100% yes. agree with you. Okay. I mean, I put him up there with Dismukes in terms of 22,000's best centers Auburn's had. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, though, we can all agree that he should be higher on the list of transfer quarterbacks because you look at number two and number one, and Terry, we got you on the phone lines. We're going to get to you in a minute. Anybody else on this list on Cam's team, they go seven and five? Anybody else? I don't know about that. I, seven I, and five. At I think best, you win nine eight games. Four. Eight and four. No, I think you win nine games. Not. I don't think nine games. I'll give you eight and Absolutely four. Absolutely not. I'd give you eight and four. There's and no way. I think Dude you win nine took games. over games. Think about where you played on the road that year, though. So you you played without Cam play Newton, on the road you lose in to Kentucky and Mississippi State on the road, right there. That's off the top. Okay, and then you lose to Alabama. You lose in the to Iron Clemson, Bowl, probably. But you lose to Clemson you, you and South Carolina because I don't think. I don't necessarily think that you're losing to Kentucky if you don't have Cam Newton in that game. Cam Newton disappeared for the second half of that game. I I, I don't think you win you win that game with, without Cam. If you put if you put Baker Mayfield on that Auburn team, you don't think Auburn goes into Lexington and wins that game? No, really. I think Cam's that special. I disagree with you there because I do. I think I think you do. I think you could put a handful of these guys and win that game. You could put that does two take we away haven't... from the point. By the way, that. 
I still think he's the most valuable football player in college of all time. And I, I stand by that. I 100% stand by that. And and that's why, again, you compare it to, look, compare it to these two guys at one and two really quick. And Terry, we got you on the phone lines. We're going to get to you to start the next segment. So hold on with us, man. We'll get to you in just a few minutes. Um, you look at the two guys above him, Baker Mayfield from Texas Tech to Oklahoma at number two, and Joe Burrow from Ohio State to LSU at number one. You look at what those guys had on their teams, man. LSU was playing college football with an NFL roster. They were playing college football with NFL guys on both sides, especially on the offensive side. Baker Mayfield at two is a joke. A joke. I'm not sure he should be three. And I think what you have to take into consideration is, I know he won the Heisman Trophy, but I think you have to take into consideration what they won or what they won or the elevation of the program from when they got there from what it was before. If you want to give Burrow one because he played multiple years, okay. Because for some reason we deem camp for that. He was so good in his one year, he went 1-1 in the draft. We'll get to the phone lines. Terry, hold on. I know you got some comments. We'll talk about this some more when we come back. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 more minutes here on the Friday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goetz, Carter Bird, Jack Cutton with you in the studio talking the top 16 transfer quarterbacks of all time in college football. There's lots more to discuss on this, but we have Terry on the phone lines who's been waiting patiently, so I want to get him in here. 334-321-1390. Jack, you can talk in just a minute, buddy. Okay. Terry, you're on the line, man. Happy Friday. What's up? Happy Friday, guys. How y'all doing? Doing good. Right, Terry. How are you? Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. Next to insulting Brian Harson, this is my favorite subject. <laughs> what about well, Wendell Graham? Uh, hey, guys, big shout out. Graham has done a great job for you guys. This is his last day, right? Yes, yes. So. Today is Graham, our, our wonderful intern for the summer, who has been uh, running the board, answering phones, doing all that, being our show producer. It is his last day today uh, here in the studio. Done a great job for y'all. Yep, um, y'all failing to mention Cam Newton's greatest accomplishment, making Gene Jizek look actually feasible as a head coach. He did do that. That's a good point. I he mean, did do that. I mean, he, that, he made Gene Chizik look fantastic as a head coach at Auburn. I've always said that Gene Chizik and Ed Orgeron are the same person. Now, I say that to say this. They they run a great quarterback, a great running back, and a great senior class to a championship. Neither one of them, the only way they're going to get a championship again is to buy a ticket. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Terry, I would say even that in Ed Orgeron's year with LSU in 2019 – I don't think he still. I don't even think he had close to what Auburn's talent level was in terms. Of, like I'm saying, LSU had a whole lot more talent than Auburn on that. Oh team. yeah, offensive talent. Yeah. They had a whole lot close. more. Like they had an NFL style off you caliber had offense. Two first round re- receivers, a second round receiver, and NF two NFL tight ends, mm-hmm. three or four NFL offensive linemen. You had a running back, a running back that went in the first round. Yep. And then you had a defense that had NFL guys all over it, too. It was ridiculous. Yeah, and they, they, trying, they got a job on, on Sesame. He's a cookie monster, right? That's the one. <laughs> hey, I think I think Coach O could win a national championship as a defensive line coach somewhere. Would it be crazy? Would it be crazy to say that Orgeron was a better recruiter than Gene Chizik just because of the fit that Orgeron had in Baton Rouge? I would I would agree with that, Jacob. 
I don't know. You'd have to go look. Not that his recruiting was fantastic. If you remember some of those classes that that Shizik and, you know, guys like Trooper Taylor and Looper, I mean, all of those guys, when they were here, they brought in some dudes. Now, they didn't always pan out, but they brought in a lot of guys in in doing that kind of tiger, tiger prowl recruiting. I just, I just thought they were basically – Gene Chizik and Ed Orgeron were basically the same human being. Now, as far as the subject goes on the quarterbacks, guys, this this has always been my argument that, that people put too much stock into, you know, the, well, the coaches see these guys all week and they know what they're – there's some guys, for whatever reason, I don't know the reason, and y'all know the reason, but some guys just perform better when the lights come on and the lines are drawn on the field. And Justin Fields – you can't tell me that Justin Fields got beat up by Jake Fromm. You, you can, yeah. you, you, I know, I know, but you can't tell me under any circumstances he's better than Jake Fromm because the NFL is the highest level and he's a starting quarterback. Jake Fromm isn't. Yeah, no, I mean, I I agree with you. I think I think that's there was a portion of the early Kirby Kirby Smart era where it was a little bit of kind of that 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 phrase "dance with the one that brung you," and he had somebody who'd go out there and win games and he wasn't going to pass the, the, the baton to anybody else until uh, he until recently where we've seen him start to kind of go to that Nick Saban mold that we saw when Saban went to Hurts and then went to Tua when he had Hurts there and Hurts won all those games. The, like I think you're starting to see that. But... Jake Fromm won all those games, and I just don't think Kirby was ready to take the starting job away, and I think he was uh, yeah, wrong did, in it. Do any of you guys believe that when Auburn beat Georgia and Alabama, was that 17, 18? Mm-hmm. I can't remember. Yeah, 17, 17, yeah. Does anybody really believe that they would have beat Alabama if they had Hurts and would have had Tua? I think, I think Alabama would have beat Auburn. If they had, what, Tua instead of Hurts? Mm-hmm. I think it would have been a similar game. I mean, it, you just – that's a tough hypothetical, I but I don't know because that, that game sense. was so it, it was very, it was actually very defensive. Yeah, as a game, mm-hmm. and and Auburn ends up scoring twenty six points. Well, in Auburn it, ran Jalen Hurts all over the place. Yeah, so, I mean they they were all in Jalen Hurts' back pocket the entire game. The most impressive thing about that game is Jalen Hurts had this like stop and go juke move that yeah, he, he would use when he scrambled that got every defensive end in the country. It would give him just enough of a hesitation where he could get to the edge and pick up get out of bounds. seven, eight yards or even more. Jeff Holland could mirror him like nobody's business. Jeff game. Holland, and then you had he was Nick, awesome. and then you had Nick Coe coming from behind mm-hmm. that was cleaning it up. I mean, I think he had like two or three sacks in that game. The golly, I mean, think about the names on that Auburn defensive line. By the yeah, way, forgetting about one guy, Jack, that was Carl Lawson. Yeah, yeah, was he into? Yeah, I, I guess it, it, whoever it was on the line. I know you had names like Derek Brown. I know you had Marlon Davidson on there, Jeff Holland, Nick Coe. I think Carl Lawson had gone to the league in seventeen. I'm not sure of that, but I think he was. I think he was the guy that schooled that that uh, that left tackle to Alabama. It was like a junior. No, on that team. Was, I, Lawson was in his rookie year in the NFL in seventeen. Was he there? Okay, I thought, yeah. I thought, okay, I thought he was like a senior or uh, sophomore. It was, it was Je- Jeff Holland that just. Eight against that Alabama offensive line, and and forced all the big plays. Really, well, it, it was it, yeah. they made them look they were ridiculous, and and because I I remember wearing a T shirt afterwards that said Auburn twenty six national champion fourteen. 
And, and I just couldn't believe. It, it, look, guys, I say this. I say that to say this. If you told Bear Bryant or Pat Dye or Johnny, maybe those old coaches, you could win a national title without winning your conference or division or state, they told you you were crazy. Yes, yeah. I've I've said the um, I've said I think here in the past couple months, I consider that game a blowout. Yeah, because Alabama could have played another two, three quarters, and they still weren't going to get to twenty six points. No, no, I agree. I very Auburn much dominated Auburn that defense. game so much. It was one of the most dominant games I've seen Auburn play in Jordan Hare against a Nick Saban Alabama team. And you're also right because you turn it over twice on your own side of the field in that game. Mm-hmm. You had the booby with. You see the argument I've made about the quarterbacks, guys, because I just don't. I look. I mean, you can make the, the Jake from Martin Carter you did, but but I just don't believe Jake Fromm is better than than. than no, no, no. Uh, I'm, I'm not saying he is. I just think that that's what happened with Kirby Smart. We I all agree. agree Justin Fields is a much better player, much better quarterback. Mm-hmm. But I just think for there was a little bit of a out of date mindset with Kirby. Well, he was also a young head like, coach. It was if it ain't broke, don't fix it kind of mentality where it's. Well, my my guy keeps winning all these games. Why would I take away his starting job? I mean, and then Jake in Buffalo. It's like quarterback wins. Well, I don't. I, he, I don't think he's in the NFL anymore. I think he. Oh, okay. I don't think he is. At least he he might be a uh, second or third he's or fourth string somewhere. somewhere. But um, the I think you had a situation where. You you had a coach that overvalued the dumbest stat, just like pitcher wins and losses in baseball, quarterback <laughs> wins. It's that's dumb. Like you can find somebody better who may not have the same number of wins. Like you can win games in spite of your quarterback, which I think there were moments where Georgia did that. But I mean, Jake Fromm was a good college quarterback. He's on the Washington. I don't Commanders. sell a backup job short because Jake Fromm's a backup in the NFL. I could stand to hold a clipboard for for seven hundred fifty thousand a year. You better believe it. He's with the Washington Commanders right now, Terry. Is he owes you really? That's what it says. Okay. Well, in I didn't his, know. In his three-year career, he has already been on three teams. <laughs> well, Bills, I mean, he's going to make more money in those figures than we will. Yeah, man. yeah, you better believe it. He's making more than us. Appreciate it, guys. Have yeah, a good appreciate weekend. It, man, right, Terry. Terry. Happy 4th to you and, and a good weekend to Terry, 334-321-1390. I want to bring this up, talking about these quarterbacks that we were talking about. Yeah, Some yeah, I, I want to get back to that. Yeah. Hey, before. Before you do, can I touch on something that we that we did say, but then move on? Yes. Uh, I'm with you now, by the way, on the 2010 team without Cam Newton. Because I start thinking about that, and we were talking about that during the break. You had nail biters in, like you mentioned, Clemson, Mississippi State, Kentucky, Alabama. But you don't really think about the other one. Georgia, LSU, even Arkansas was close until midway through the fourth quarter. I mean, there, there were a lot of games that season that could have gone either way, mm-hmm. and I think your difference was Cam Newton. So I, I am more with you on that team may go 7-5 and five that year without Cam. I think with the names on the list, we came up with a couple that might give you a shot to go 9-3. and three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think it'll, it'll be kind of dual threat guys like – Caleb Williams, like Jalen Hurts, like the Oklahoma version of Jalen Justin Hurts. Fields. A- Alabama yeah. Jalen Hurts does not get you there. Uh, yeah. Justin Fields is is another one on that list. Um, we talked about Nick Marshall. I don't think the passing today. Russell enough. Wilson? Question mark. I said Russell Wilson. Yeah, I think Jacob so. said. I, I don't know. I don't, if it's not nine. to the Cam Newton level. He wouldn't get you to the Cam Newton level, but I think Russell Wilson could get you eight or nine wins on that team. Maybe. I think I agree with that. I think, I think in, it could get I you eight or nine. Tw- I think in twenty eleven, Wisconsin Russell Wilson. Yeah. Wilson in twenty eleven had he come to Auburn, he gets you to at least nine wins. Yes. At least nine. 
Yeah, yeah, I could go with that too. I could go with that. That's too. That's another and, conversation I know, but well, I, if he did I, this, because sure. we're we're looking at this list, all and, your losses at your blowouts here in 2011. Yeah, I want to get to this point because I've teased it. I guess in two two segments now, right? And we're talking top transfer quarterbacks of all time in college football. Go ahead. Where the heck is Kyler Murray? Yes. Where the heck he won a Heisman Trophy? Yeah, and everything Baker did, all the like single season records Baker set. The next year, Kyler Murray broke them all and was better. Why isn't he on the list? It is kind of surprising he's not on this he's list. A, he's a top 10 transfer at a minimum. I guarantee you it's an oversight. I guarantee you. There, there's no way you can't you can't not rank him when you're talking about guys on this list. I mean, he's he's a Heisman Trophy winner. He's in my NFL mind, quarterback now. I mean, he's, he's broken all he's these records, like you list. say. Yeah, yeah, he's eighth on this at list. At least. We can have a real conversation about Caleb Williams versus Kyler Murray. Yeah. We can have a real conversation about that because that's because Caleb Williams is too high. Heck, I would put Williams above Kyler Murray. I don't. I don't because Kyler's one year. Kyler took that team to the playoff. Caleb Williams hasn't done that yet. What about I mean, if you're looking at... Kyler won his conference. Caleb Williams hasn't done that yet. That's fair. I yeah, like like that's fair. Kyler's one year in Oklahoma is better than Caleb Williams right now. Caleb Williams after this next year, yes, you can move him ahead. Just like a couple names that you could add to this list after this next year. Bo Nix and Michael Penix. Yes. Both of those guys have the potential to go All-American this year, be Heisman finalists, win the Pac-12. And play off all courses. three of those, and could potentially, if it all falls into place, could play for a college football playoff. Another one that he'd have to go absolutely nuclear this year. I know exactly what you're going to say. Quinn Ewers. Yep. He'd have to go like he'd have to go to a college football playoff. He'd have to win the the Heisman Trophy. He'd have to play for a national champion championship to make this list in my mind. But does, does those are ha- three names. Does it have to be this year? I mean, he could do it next year. I was going to say, but, but, I mean, but I, guess I, what's I the... truly believe he's going to have a big year, a big enough year that he's going to go in the NFL draft okay. after this year. So to me, he's got one shot. Well, I think what I'm asking there is if it takes you a few years. So it almost kind of like the Joe Burrow thing with Ohio State. Comes from Ohio State, first year at LSU. Yeah, he's yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah. He's serviceable. But then he's, you know, I mean, he's the top of this list now. And I think, like, yes, he had a lot of NFL talent. I think we can all agree he's a very good quarterback. Unbelievable. And he yep. probably uh, deserves to be somewhere on this list at least. So, you know, d- should that still count for something if it takes you a little while after you transfer to build that up? I don't have an issue with that. But but what, what I'm saying is, and the early mock drafts point this way as well, which we know how those can change because, I mean – we we've seen some guys who have been uh, um, projected first round picks. Hugh Freeze had one at Liberty mm-hmm. in Malik, and then you they had fall out, yeah. And then you had Sam Howell, who was going to be the number number one overall pick, fall to the fourth round. Yeah, you had Joe Burrow go from undrafted to number one. Mm-hmm. So you you have fluctuations, but right now he's projected to be a first round pick. So I'm going into this year with the expectations. If you if you're gonna put Quinn Ewers on this list, he has to go nuclear, 
Super Saiyan, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> and, and when I look, look, and, and to, to go off of that point, for me to be able to put you on this list of best quarterback transfers of all time in college football, I said it earlier and I want to say it again. The, the thing that I think the two things that you have to take into consideration are the accolades, which are listed on this article under each person. Like, did they win a Heisman Trophy? Did they take their team and win their conference or make it to a, a college football playoff or BCS when it was that back in the day? That's the accolades is a big part of it. But then I think what's even bigger part of it that gets overlooked because of the accolades is how much better did your team and program get from before you got there to when you left, right? How much better were they? Kind of like what we were just doing with Cam Newton at Auburn, right? If you were to plug and chug somebody else, what was your wins above replacement type of thing? Interestingly, it's a good point, and it's kind of what got me over on this side. 2009, Auburn goes 8-5. and Mm-hmm. 2010 Auburn what's your difference there you have Cam Newton 2011 Auburn goes eight and five and so it, you know there's a lot of the same players in that equation and I think that kind of helps serve for some proof that no doubt it's Cam Newton who is the most valuable player for a team in and college. I think yes. not to take anything away from Joe Burrow and I know we got to get to a break in our final break but take away Joe Burrow and put anybody else on this list into that LSU team they still win a national championship. Put Cam Newton on on twenty nineteen LSU, Goodness and we are gracious. talking like we're talking the difference between Colt Brennan's numbers in 06 to everybody else. But like modern college football, where you have guys throwing for five thousand yards, right? Like Cam Newton throws for seven thousand yards and rushes for seventeen hundred <laughs> and has. 98 touchdowns and that's what i'm saying you could put literally baker mayfield cam newton caleb williams uh, jalen hurts caleb i mean any of these guys on that lsu team and they would win the national championship yeah but it doesn't take anything away from joe burrow because he's a great quarterback and you're seeing it in cincinnati right now yes 100 percent. i mean he's a robot and he's unbelievable and he's it's so much fun to watch him watch him play I believe the quarterback it. position. You could put anybody on this list on that team and they win a national championship. Cam on 2019 LSU, that LSU team scores 80-plus points at least three times. Because <laughs> <laughs> they were putting up – what were their averages that year? Northwestern State, they scored 65. Vanderbilt, they scored 66. And – in the final four game against Oklahoma, 63 on that Oklahoma That's defense. right. Yes, yes they did. Watch. They, would they be scored 56 on Arkansas. Like, could Cam Newton have scored 100 points on 2019 LSU? That's a good question. It's a lot of fun to talk about it. We'll wrap it up on the other side, get to our final break and talk about it, and then wrap it all up here on the Friday edition of On the Line on ESPN 106.7. On the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Wrapping up the Friday edition of On the Line here on ESPN 1067, Jacob Goetz, Carter Bird, joined by Jack Hutton for the next couple of minutes. We got a few minutes before the drive comes on with Dan Peck, Bill Cameron, out this week. A reminder again, uh, hope you all have a fantastic 4th of July weekend. Uh, stay safe, make smart decisions, um, stay hydrated. It's going to be hot this weekend. Um, but no shows on Monday and Tuesday here on ESPN 1067. No local shows, right? So no matter 
Max Roundtable on the line or the drive. On Monday, Tuesday, we will be back on Wednesday. Uh, be sure you're tuning in all weekend long, though. We got baseball tomorrow, Sunday night baseball, and then two games on the 4th of July. That includes the Atlanta Braves. They will be playing right here on ESPN 106.7 on the 4th of July. Uh, you do not want to miss it. I believe they're playing the night game, the later game on the 4th and so uh, be sure that you tune in for that again all that coming up here on ESPN 1067 that'll be the ESPN radio broadcast we'll have the Braves and the Guardians that'll be at 6 o'clock so tune in for that on the 4th of July got a couple of minutes gentlemen I know it's been a lot of fun talking the uh, the quarterbacks but as Terry mentioned earlier we do it every time uh, we have interns here uh, at Auburn Network and ESPN 1067 every single semester uh, we've had some really good ones come through and Graham has been our intern this semester has been running our board answering phones he's done it for our show he's been doing it for the drive uh posting stuff on social media uh posting podcasts doing a lot of good stuff for us and so i wanted to shout him out really quick and let him uh, have you know hop on here we always last semester we had to make jenny hop on the air she was not excited she was excited but she was very nervous but we made her hop on the air graham's hopped in a couple of times uh and been a, a wonderful intern and producer so graham uh you did great work man we appreciate everything that you've done since it is your last day here at the station yeah i really enjoyed it you know uh i knew nothing about radio and uh i knew uh jacob from uh, actually from high school so uh he was able to hook me up with this little gig for the summer and um it's been a pretty cool internship i gotta kind of you know live around auburn and see what's going on you know with uh with a real college town and, and got to learn a lot of things about just you know the radio station as well as podcasts and and doing some social media and whatnot, stuff I plan to, uh, you know, use towards my future and whatnot. So I appreciate you having me for the summer, and it's it's been a cool experience. So, so what? So what's next for you, Graham? Back to school to wrestle, baby. Love it. One more one more year of college wrestling for me. Well, Graham, we appreciate you and all your hard work this semester. Uh, we will be having a new intern come into the fall, but until then. Have a great weekend. Have a great 4th of July. Stay safe, stay dry, stay hydrated. We'll be back on Wednesday. No shows Monday, Tuesday, so come back on Wednesday right here on ESPN 106.7. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.